Hey, welcome to Coffee House. This is 12 Rules for Life Discussion Part 2. We have uh, Part 1, the Part 1 Discussion, and Part 2 prior to this one that are the accompaniment. So in this one, as with the other discussions, we just go through kind of digging a little deeper into some of the ideas that are sparked by the subject text so we can get a little more into it and not just abandon these books so quickly. It just felt wrong. So in this one, one of the things that was talked about in the book was meaning over what's expedient. So pursue what is meaningful over what is expedient. And one way that I was thinking about this actually recently, and I'm trying so desperately to implement it, but it is unbelievably difficult because you have to really change your gears and the way that your brain works to some degree. Something that I do automatically is that I try to find the bottom line. The first thing that my brain does whenever there's any kind of an issue or anything that comes up or I meet a new person or anything else (laughs) is my brain tries to find the bottom line of everything. And so with all of those paths cleared and mowed, you know, paved or whatever, it's really easy to go down that way. Whereas a lot of times it's so much better to take a moment and not think about things in that way specifically. So one thing that I was thinking about specifically was doing for others, was gearing what you do and why you do it to benefit somebody else instead of benefit yourself. And I was trying to think about that in terms of relationships, in terms of work, in terms of the way that I handle cases, the kinds of books I read, and doing this podcast specifically because I was uh, thinking earlier that it was just uh, burdensome because I used to do two books a week and get those up just fine and all that, but I just got absolutely slammed recently, and so I have been neglectful of getting this stuff up. But then I was thinking that the point is not for me to get to express what I think about these books, which would justify me just taking days off or whatever. The point is to have some kind of an outlet for people who want to have deeper discussions and thoughts about deeper things than just political memes. So when I thought about it in terms of doing for somebody else instead of doing for me and trying to implement that into so many more things, like just people I'm talking to or whatever, then it was motivating and it felt more meaningful than just me trying to do something to get my thoughts out on the interwebs. So one of the things that the book says specifically is to have meaning is better than to have what you want. And I really think that's an important idea to maintain and to keep. I've already got a few mantras that I'm trying to repeat to myself on a regular basis, but that's that's another one. To have meaning is better than to have what you want. So those things can be in conflict sometimes, especially when it comes to short-term versus long-term, but even just in general, those things can be in conflict. So meaning is better. And this leads me to something that I brought up in a recent discussion with some people, some uh, lovely liberals that... <laughs> have certainly attacked me previously on on various points and seemed just dutifully irrational when it came to a lot of different topics. But (laughs) I'm just saying that to you guys. I wouldn't say that to them. I might say to them. But in this case, I was talking about specifically humility and how that has to be the end-all be-all, the most important meme that we spread to everybody in the Western world at this point is humility. Now, this doesn't necessarily have to be humility about important value-laden things, because value-laden things, while they should be addressed time from time to time to ensure that they are the right kinds of values, there are other things that are empirical questions, especially about complex systems, that it's really easy to have humility about because there's no way on earth that any one human can have all the information in their brains to be able to make that determination. So exhibiting humility about an empirical question, whether it jives with your political ideology or not, that's something that should be really easy for people to do and that we should be able to spread really easily. Because one thing that I find is that once you start asking a couple questions about any complex system, then everybody is willing to kind of back up and say, okay, well, maybe I do need a little humility in this area. 
And I think it would pay such tremendous dividends long term. Because you and I, even including I, don't know as much as I think I know, and you don't know as much as you think you know about any given topic. So it's much better to just exhibit that humility. We have this Dunning-Kruger epidemic right now because we have easy access to superficial information. So you can spend an hour or two hours or however long you want researching any given topic, and you'll suddenly feel this unbelievably overinflated sense of confidence in your ideas about that topic. You think you've just got it down. When somebody could spend 15 years studying that same topic and not feel the same level of confidence in that because they understand what questions they need to ask. This is a cultural thing. I was reading about Dunning-Kruger, not, I think I brought it up at some point, but not that long ago, about how different cultures approach this idea in different ways. So if they get just a little bit of information about a topic, they don't feel an overweening confidence about their abilities within that category. But humility, especially when it comes to empirical topics, humility would be a godsend at this point <laughs> if we could all start exhibiting that. Okay. Another really awesome idea that was talked about in the book was how goals mean hierarchy. If you have a goal, then you have a hierarchy because some people are going to be better at achieving that goal than other people. And a hierarchy means winners and losers. Now, when we are organized into a polity like we are in this country or in a state or in a locality or whatever, or in a sports team, we have goals. We have goals that are set. And that means that there are better and worse people when it comes to achieving those goals. And that means that you need winners and losers to be able to allocate resources in a more efficient way to achieve the goal that you're trying to achieve. So the worst virus that can spread, that can proliferate, is anything that attacks merit as the standard. And that's what we have right now. I mean, these include virtually everything that's said by a progressive at this point. The things like in identity-based hiring, firing, or just general sociological strategy. Those things are an attack on the idea of merit as a standard. The internal inconsistency and lack of logic when it comes to a lot of progressive ideas, so we'll say a lot of, probably the entire category. It's not a bug, it's the point. The point is that it undermines the idea of merit as a standard. Hypocrisy is not a bug, it's the point. <laughs> it undermines the idea of merit as a standard. Canceling people based on their identity rather than the merit of their work is another thing that undermines the idea of merit as a standard. And notice that that's what this is. When you go and look for a tweet that was 10 years old or something they did in some other category of occupation or whatever, and you don't look at the value of their work, then you're saying that the merit is less important than whatever their identity is because their identity is wrapped up in these things. And the specific result of this is that you are deliberately organizing people in less efficient ways. That's the result of this. On a broad scale, that's what's necessarily going to happen. So it's something like, my plumber was great, but he liked the wrong tweet, so I'm not going to use that plumber anymore. Now, obviously, it's easy to see that a plumber's work, you know, whatever kind of work he's necessarily doing, has specifically merit-based standards attached to it. Does it work? Does it avoid leaks? Is it working efficiently? Did he use the right kind of materials? All that sort of thing. Those are all easily accessible when it comes to merit. Now, there are things out there in the economy that is much more difficult to determine what the merit standard is in those areas unless you have a very clear understanding of that particular occupation. So it's a lot easier to just say that, oh, well, merit didn't actually matter in this case. So you, you can throw anybody in there and they're going to be able to do it just fine. But the particular point is that it would only improve efficiency by accident, but decrease efficiency by design. You know, whoever is canceled already had that job. So you know just by virtue of a statistical basis that it's more likely that they had a little more competence than whoever didn't have the job. 
But the point is that it's going to be getting rid of people by design who are exhibiting merit. And the only time that it would improve that is by accident. Like we accidentally got a better person after having canceled this other person. So a simple way that was actually put in the book that talked about meaning was that if you're working toward ennobling of being and establishment of paradise, then it's Christ. If you're working for destruction of being and unnecessary suffering, then it's Satan. So a way to create, set yourself in the right direction is work toward the ennobling of being and the establishment of paradise. If you're heading in that direction, if that's the goal, if that's the trajectory, then you can establish a means of getting meaning for yourself and you're going to be heading in the direction of the archetypal Christ as opposed to the archetypal Satan. So I think it's easy kind of to at least get yourself broadly oriented if you say that your goal is the establishment of paradise. Then you know, okay, what are the millions of things I can do every single day? in when it comes to people I talk to, when it comes to my work, when it comes to what I learn versus don't learn, what I watch or don't watch, how do those things contribute to an establishment of paradise? So that, of course, is the beautiful book, The Twelve Rules for Life. This was the second discussion, part two, and we are moving on to something that is less helpful. It's more helpful to know this information, possibly, so you can understand what's going on here, but it's incredibly depressing to know about, to be honest. Uh, but it is Propaganda by Edward Bernays. That's going to be next week's book, and we'll have a discussion on that. We're going to have more articles coming up. I've saved several of them that we're going to read and go over those. I hope this has been helpful to somebody listening, and I will definitely see on the next one. All right, bye.